Blog Talk Radio. Commentary that 
this could have been the Josh Cross show had he literally swept the whole night. That's how Absolutely. that's how crazy that's how crazy of a battle royal this was. Absolutely. I mean and you want to talk about crazy, we got Heinzman uh still with this laughing, just inappropriate laughing here. Yeah, that's your creepy. Yeah, uh, something snapped inside of the mind of Heinzman. Uh, I mean, but, I, yeah, I was getting fed information throughout the night, and when I saw the kid crazy made his return to the Valley Arena, I, I'll tell you, I, I was just completely just thrown up for a loop on that one. But then you mentioned the other one that just shocked me is Steve-O. You're talking about a guy we haven't seen since April in the Valley in Arena, or excuse me, since July. And it literally shook me to my core because the last time we saw Steve-O, we saw Insane Shane step on a chair. And, you know, I I never heard anything final, but I was hearing the man's career was over. I was hearing that he had damage to his trachea. He was having trouble. And we called that, Mike. We called that. You're right. I I mean, and I'll be honest with you, I never thought we would see Steve-O again inside of the Valiant Arena. So, I mean, what a moment seeing that. But you hit the nail right on the head. Josh Cross, and we'll get into a little bit more of why we say this, but Josh Cross literally taking – and, you know, uh, took this night and made it to Josh Cross show. And like I said, we'll, uh, we'll discuss it more as we go along throughout the night. And I apologize mm-hmm. to Facebook live watchers, but uh, I'm, working to get the, uh, I'm working to get the live stream back up. But, yeah, I, mm-hmm. I mean, this guy right here, Josh Cross, was able to just single-handedly do what most people would think would be impossible. I, I mean, this yeah. guy literally took and took a show that he was a footnote on, and he yeah. literally, you want to talk about using the golden ticket to your advantage, John Cross gave a lesson on how to do that, and we'll get into just yeah. how much here a little bit later into the show, but – I I mean, what were your thoughts when Josh Cross captured the golden ticket in our in the opening contest? Well, my 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 thoughts were like, okay, he may wait until anniversary twenty one to really, 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 really kind of cash in and try to take all gold. That will those were my initial thoughts. My initial thought was, hey. You know, every champion better beware. Because, I mean, I said it on commentary. Because, um, of course, uh, one of the members of FGA joined me on uh, on commentary, that, that being Grayson Beckett. And I literally flat out said, you know, hey, every champion better beware. Because no title is safe, especially when a golden ticket is, is present. And, you know, history has taught us that because we've had a like we've had a cash in at an anniversary event, right or wrong, Mike. You're absolutely right about that. We have had cash ins at anniversary shows. But I mean, good lord, Josh Cross, 
could have cashed in in the parking lot after Halloween Resurrection. I mean, it's one of those yep. things that, I mean, Josh Cross literally, I've said it before and I'll say it again, <laughs> having that golden ticket literally mm-hmm. is like holding a championship that just hasn't come to fruition yet. And I mean, yeah. I, the list of people, the list of people that have captured that golden ticket and went on to uh, unsuccessfully cash in is rather short. I know right off the top of my head, as I'm thinking here, right off the top of my head, I can think of uh, Gaston, obviously, the story Prince, but you can't yeah. think of you know too many more that were unsuccessfully that- cashing in the golden ticket. And that happened this year, Mike, when when that happened. You're absolutely right about that. I mean, you look at a situation like that, and, uh, you know, the implications reaching far and wide, and I kind of, you know, I'm going to kind of smirk a little bit as the big man Kay Toomer joins us here in the uh, comments section on this live feed because uh, I'm pretty sure he remembers the repercussions of Josh Cross uh, becoming Mr. Golden Ticket. We'll get into that in just a moment, but yeah, wow! Just right off the uh, right off the kickstart of the show for Halloween Resurrection, a big one. As you know, Josh Cross literally. I mean, is there anything? Let's talk about this for a moment. Is there anything Josh Cross yeah. hasn't done at this point? The original Misfit hasn't done inside of the ASWF. That that's 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 really that's that's really hard that's really hard to um to answer that question, Mike, because you know, no he he's done it. Like you said, he's tag team champion, evolution champion. He's he's been to he's been to the top of that mountain before. You know, what hasn't he done? That that's that that still remains to be seen. You're right about that. I mean now Mr. Golden Ticket and Wow, uh, what an impressive resume for the original misfit, Josh Cross. Yeah. I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be hard to knock him off the pedestal, and we'll tell you exactly what we mean in just a moment. But speaking mm-hmm. of knocking people off the pedestal, and I'm literally yeah. holding back vomit as I say this, but oh my goodness, Fred James. Yeah, I was going to say, you want me to go ahead go and say ahead. it, Mike? Go ahead. And, and, and I know you said this previously, if it were to come true. and But we ended up experiencing the Miracle in Tuckerman Part 2. And that Part 2 is the first of three championship matches went down. And we have brand new ASWF Tag Team Champions. It's an unlikely combination of William Page and Brett James. And I'll I'll go into further detail with this, Mike, if you don't mind. Go ahead. The crazy thing is um, the champions came to the ring first. And right when Brett, literally, Brett James was pretty much an island unto himself, and... 
Grayson Beckett, who was sitting with me at the broadcast table, he literally was like, no, 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 no. I'm, I, I, can't, I can't see Fred James like this. So, literally, he bounced, he literally just bounced off of the broadcast position, decided to go to ringside just to try to help out Fred James. And as a result, um, out, came, out came the commissioner who said, uh-uh, uh, you're injured. You're not clear to wrestle, and and and, and he was right because um, Grayson Beckett wasn't clear to wrestle. So out of nowhere came William Cage, and as a result, we have new tag team champions. But Mike, there's more to the story because it did involve, and uh, I know this is probably quote unquote. Probably like salt in the wounds here, but um, the referee who officiated that match really, really, um, he he took the beating uh, after that uh, championship title change. You're right about that. A little bit of controversy surrounding the end of the uh, the end of the contest. I saw it. Uh, I saw it whenever I was watching and reviewing the film. At my house, but I, I mean, let's take this step by step. Obviously, first off, Fred James comes to the ring just like honestly I expected. I expected Fred James not to be able to find anybody. I expected nobody to want to even deal with that because let's be honest, it's an automatic L on your record if you team with a fan against the uh, against the no pun intended the gifted athlete in the uh, ASWF locker room. And then I'm watching the film, and I see Grayson Beckett hobbling along, trying to think he's going to help Fred Blackout James. After Fred, let's be honest, had been taking a beating for 90% of the contest. Fred James was... Yeah, he got got some moments in. Well, I was going to say, Mike, he got some moments in right at the start of the contest. But with those numbers game caught up to him, it happened right when he turned his back. That's when the inexperience shows. Go ahead. And you're right about that. And, I mean, that's exactly what champions do. They take advantage. They see weakness. And they they capitalize on it. And that's exactly what we saw happen with this contest is we saw – Fred Blackout James get caught up with the inexperience, and here comes, like I said, hobbling along, Grayson Beckett sticking his bit nose in business where it don't belong, and uh, got luckily, he loved the I, mean, I, don't know when, I don't know, hello, Aaron, I want to say hey to you, but luckily, I, I don't know whether he had been drinking or what, but a strike of uh, sanity strikes the commissioner of this organization, Joey Britt, and uh, he comes out and stops Grayson Beckett from competing, says, hey, you're not clear to compete. You can't get in there. Right. And without any ability, in the middle of a contest, out comes Will Cage, and uh, they end up winning and becoming victorious. And that is why I'm upset about this, more so than even a fan carrying the prestigious tag team championships, the tag team titles that mean that you are number one in the Mid-South 
and I'll stay in yeah. carrying it. More so than that, that upsets me is the fact that Will Cage got in that contest over halfway through the contest. That means that Joey Britt allowed the rules to be changed to favor Fred Blackout James in the middle of that contest, and that's what upsets me. And Ricky Rowland, on top of that, allowed it to stand, and that's what's wrong with the ASWF today. Well, well, Mike, let's let's not jump the gun too far here because we because we don't know the what will be the no we don't know if Gaston and Garion or I say yeah Gary Mister Tear or Gaston will cha- will cash in the rematch clause or not here. Plus, I mean, I mean that's part one. Part two is you know with everything that went down. You know, you also have to question, you know, what's the who's the next team to step up in this case? I mean, it will it be the Manai? I mean, really, you know, what happens here at this moment? Like I said, let's not jump the gun here without finding out really if Gary Mr. Gary and Tier and Gaston will cash in the rematch clause here. Well, and I mean, I would agree with you, Cornbread, and uh, the ASWF Board of Directors have been meeting tirelessly at uh, ASWF headquarters to uh, discuss the situation on the Tag Team Championships. You know, there's been countless people coming in, including the former Tag Team Champions, the Storybook Prince and Gary and Tear, as much as it pains me to say that, because they were amazing Tag Team Champions the former champions, have come to speak their case and, you know, speak with the board of directors that that I, a fan should not be able to hold the prestigious ASWF Tag Team Championships. I would agree. I mean, in Cornbread, if you take all of your bias out and you take everything out, you have to agree. How is Fred Blackout James going to defend those tag team titles? I I mean, the guy's going to get into a match, and, I I mean, let's be honest. What if the big man decides to challenge for the tag team titles? How do you think that that's going to go for Fred Blackout James? You've got to think about fan safety, too, at some point. Well, but 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 you also have to think about the fact that what if we – what have we said on this program multiple, multiple times? If you are a champion in this company, you are not safe. And bottom line, what 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 has literally been the number one thing? You sign up, you get what you signed up for. And in this case, there's a bigger target on Mr. James back. More and he'll be in the audience now. He has a big, like they say, a big fish to fry. Well, if this is allowed to stand, it'll certainly be a story to watch going forward inside of the Valiant Arena because uh, I guess it'll be one of the most uh, interesting title reigns in the history, the uh, over now, over 20-year history of the All-Star Wrestling Federation. As uh, Fred James becomes the first fan to become 
ASWF, uh, one half of the ASWF Tag Team Champions. And speaking well, also, of stories to watch, go ahead. Yeah, I, I, I was going to say, Mike, also, um, not not to rub any of this in, but isn't he part of that Hall of Fame class this year as well? And that being Fred James. Yeah. Yes, Fred James was I mean, part to, of the Hall of Fame. I mean, not to rub it in, but I know we have to move forward. But I just have to you know, bring that point out. Brad Hicks, you know exactly what I'm whining about. I'm whining about the yeah. fact that Fred James is representing the tag team division of a prestigious organization. And, oh, my goodness, I'm going to throw up. I'm getting nauseous well, just thinking about it. But well, at the end well, of the let's day, move forward then. Let's move forward. Let's move forward. Uh, next up, I, I mean, I talked about how I was getting uh, breaking information as uh, sent to me as the show was going on. And the next matchup, uh, certainly interesting in that we saw – and once again, I apologize for our live feed as it cut out again. But we saw Justin Vincent take on the uh, take on an ASWF Hall of Famer, that being mm-hmm. uh, Excalibur, in a tables matchup. A matchup that, let's be honest, we I, I didn't give Justin much of a chance uh, in. I, I mean, I'll be completely transparent with that. I really did not give Justin Vincent much of a chance to win to win a tables match against an ASWF Hall of Famer. And once again, welcome back in our Facebook crowd as we start part three, I guess, of uh, of our Halloween Resurrection wrap-up. But mm-hmm. I didn't give them much of a chance to, uh, to win this matchup. But, I mean, yet again, and you can talk us through the details of the contest, but Yet again, Justin Vincent manages to pull out the victory, but the story, and we'll get to that after you do your wrap-up, the story really began, and what's got everybody in the ASWF talking is what happened after the final bell rang. Go ahead and give us your wrap-up on the tables match. Well, um, the crazy thing is, Mike, and to everyone listening and watching, it's the fact that, you know, multiple times in this match, and and here's what really, really kind of jump-started all of this. And that was after the entrance and right before the match began, Justin Vincent told uh, Mr. Bad, Mr. Bad Brad Hicks, he's like, hey, you know, I appreciate you, you know, accompanying me to ringside, but this is one I have to do on my own. And from mm-hmm. that point, Mr. Vincent, really, I mean, he's, I mean, Ed's caliber literally gave him a beating. Both these guys literally went back and forth with multiple times. And then there were multiple times in that match where, bottom line, we had no table breaks, had no table breaks, had no table breaks. Until the end, when Justin Vincent clicked Ed's caliber through a table in the corner to seal the victory. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you this much. There are a lot of things you can question Justin Vincent about. Do not question his heart, and do not question his drive, because we saw the anniversary twenty when he 
when he became, and matter of fact, when he finally won the ASWF Tag Team Championships inside that steel cage, Anniversary 20, and he got oh, he got his receipt at Halloween Resurrection when he put Excalibur through that table. Well, I mean, uh, let's talk about this. Let's break this down a little bit. Justin Vincent, you mentioned uh, it became ASWF Tag Team Champion back at Anniversary 20 in April. And uh, let's just go ahead and talk about that right there. Uh, he then turned around and, what you failed to mention, let his brother down, who uh, was laid up in a hospital bed. Uh, he promised him he was going to still hold the tag team titles for him when he got back. And let's be honest, he let his brother down. But apparently his brother's psycho and just doesn't care about his brother lying to him, dead in the face and not fulfilling his promise. Because, you know, we see them out there constantly smiling and hugging and being brothers still. I'd smack the crap out of my brother if he lied to me or if I had one. But uh, we talk about this matchup here, and Justin Vincent, one thing you said that I will agree with, you cannot question the drive of Justin Vincent. Justin Vincent is a heck of a formidable competitor, and – He's a guy that literally, I don't know how to describe it, but, you know, the guy takes a licking and, ke- or takes a licking and keeps on ticking, you know. The yeah. guy is, uh, the guy takes a butt whooping and just keeps coming back for more. I got to give him credit on that, but you got to question just how many butt tickings he can take before his body gives out. Because eventually everybody reaches that breaking point and your body just gives out. Uh, you know, yeah. the thing is with this, hey, eventually I do think that Justin Vincent's body will betray him. Uh, and it may become sooner rather than later as now we can go ahead and start talking about what happened after the final bell rang in that tables matchup. Uh, and, you know, I've been trying, I've been getting all my detectives, all my uh, investigators on this, but a masked hooded figure uh, came out and laid waste, viciously laid waste to uh, Justin Vincent. And, you know, I, as soon as I got that information fed to me, I immediately called the commissioner and I said, Commissioner, what is going on? And, you know, in typical Joey Britt fashion, he decides to, uh, he decides to, uh, Tell me he's too busy to speak with me. He's in the middle of running a show, but he'll get back to me. But as far as I know, as far as what my investigators have told me, this guy isn't under contract thus far with the ASWF. Nobody knows who this guy is. This guy literally links to some security guards in the back back to be able to get out and get at Justin Vincent after this contest. And – I mean, I, I tell you, I know how shocked I was sitting at home without witnessing it. I can imagine just your reaction, Cornbread, whenever this went down. Well, 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 well. well bottom line, it, it was a horrendous act, and you know, you talk about you know you trying to get answers and all that. No one has since Halloween Resurrection. 
I have got no answers either. And you know, I'm you know, I'm there, you know, you know, trying to call trying to call everything and then bottom line, all of a sudden the lights go out and I'm like, Did we I thought we paid the electric bill? And then the lights come back on, just attack out of nowhere. And we and once again, it's it's like what I mentioned, right? You know, right, right when it was carrying everybody to the back, we have more questions than we do answers. So, will we have an answer coming up? Maybe we'll You're have right. that answer Saturday. And I mean, the questions that I have just coming off the top of my brain here is, you know, you mentioned the the uh, you mentioned that this guy leaves you with more questions than answers. You look at what we've seen this week on the ASWF Facebook page. Vincent must be destroyed. You look at these videos of somebody apparently stalking Justin. Is this connected? Is this the same person? What? What? That's the what? That's the ultimate. That's the ultimate question, Mike. And and it was, and is that connection with all those videos and. Is Justin Vincent the only one that he's that he's targeting, or is he targeting a whole group of competitors? Is he targeting champions? Bottom line, I mean, Justin Vincent ended up being victim number one. Who's victim number two? Well, and I mean, that is a heck of a question, Cornbread. You know, uh, the ASWF locker room is on notice now with this guy. I've, you know, been beating down bushes trying to figure out who this guy is. I can't even get a name on this guy, Cornbread. Uh, it's like this dude doesn't exist. I, I mean, we're lucky. If if we didn't have footage of him, I'd think the guy was a ghost. I mean, it is Halloween. I, I, I don't even know what to say. This is the first time in my broadcasting career that I have literally been left with zero answers, no inclination of anything, all I can say is this guy vanished without a trace. And and the craziest part to this whole whole situation is, Mike, is the fact that it's it's no-named, I mean, appears out of nowhere and got a little glimpse of it back at Halloween Resurrection. But what is his motive? What is his agenda? I mean, is he here to try to take over the ASWF? Is he here to try to take over all all of Arkansas sports? Is he here to try to go after the top dogs? Because, you know, like that song says, you know, we're the real Slim Shady Fleet and up. Is he the dark version of Slim Shady right now? Because we have no idea who he is. We have no we have no idea what his motive is, other than one going after Justin Vincent, but is that his primary target? You're right. I mean, is this guy connected with anybody. I mean, obviously, I feel like this guy has to be connected with somebody in the locker room because somebody let him in the building. I I mean, obviously, the dude busted heads to get out to ringside to uh, lay waste to Justin Vincent, but 
I mean, all I can tell you, ladies and gentlemen, is stay tuned, and we'll try to give you guys the uh, most complete update when we get it. That's the first time I've ever had to say that, but, I mean, Cornbread, yeah. I, we're both at losses here for this situation. And speaking of matches... Yeah, Speaking of matches uh, and things that left us at a loss, uh, I mean, I heard the reaction to the rematch. Fifteen years, Cornbread, in the making. The Westside King Ray Ray versus the hardcore legend, the Enforcer. And, uh, you know, these two did not fail to deliver. And, you know, really, in the lead-up to this contest, you knew they weren't going to fail to deliver because these two guys always, always are the uh, are the top dogs when it comes to when it comes to um, weapon style matches like that. Weapon style matches, exactly. Uh, it's one of those things that you know these two, these gentlemen are trying their best to destroy each other out there. And I will let you go ahead and uh, get us started with the wrap-up on that one. Wow. Well, if I have to sum it up or wrap it up like that, it it was violent. It was painful. I mean, we really, really kind of saw everything from a hand saw. Yes, you heard me right. A hand saw. Up until thumbtacks. Tables, barbed wire. I mean, you know, when they say, you know, too violent for TV, well, this match was way more than too violent for television. And it was a good thing to that whole situation. But this match, this match was, I mean, it was competitive and, and, and it was bloody all over. And they barbed wires. I mean, barbed wire literally got used, got, and even even to the point where alcohol and oh, well, it, it was all I could say it was it was very very graphic, and the suicide king um, barely escaped um, that death match with Forster, but but the craziest thing about all of it is the amount of respect they ended up showing each other following that match. But all I can say is it was if I had to put a TV rating on it, it would be TVMA. If it was a movie rating, it would be way past rated R. Well, and I mean, I do have to agree with you. The, the uh, death match, 15 years in the making. And like I said, you know, I, uh, obviously I apologize to our Facebook watchers because we're having all sorts of issues with our Facebook live stream tonight. But, yeah. I, I mean, it was a match. And, you know, one of our fans, Aaron, says he cringed about 20 times watching that death match. These two gentlemen, yeah, literally, did you expect anything less, though, Cornbread? Did you expect anything less no, than no. taking a barbed wire wrapped kendo stick, aiding a crossface 
for somebody to finally, you know, concede defeat. Uh, I know uh, Brad Hicks was on commentary uh, as well there in that contest. Yes, he was. Maybe he can share some insight with what he was watching there at the commentary booth. But, I mean, these two gentlemen literally beat each other from pillar to post. And... It was I mean, one there's of, no words to describe it. Yeah, it was it was one of the most graphic scenes um I I I've seen in um in 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 over 16 years of broadcasting. It was one of the most graphic things that I I've, I've ever seen. And I've, I I right. I've never seen anything like it and and the crazy thing is I'm not sure will we see anything ever like it ever again. I'm not. I'm not sure. I, I don't think we will. I mean, you look at these two guys. These guys are, uh, you know, deathmatch and hardcore professional wrestling inside of the state of Arkansas. That's what they do. Yeah. Is you know they go out there and they seek and destroy. And I don't think we will ever see you know the likes of the Suicide King and the hardcore, uh, the King of Hardcore, go back and forth like this again. You know, it's one of those that you had to be there in the building to witness it. It was a moment for the fans there at the Valiant Arena there in Tuckerman, Arkansas, and what a moment it turned out to be as, you know... you know, Aaron I, I, mentions he doesn't know what happened to Suicide Otis Crowley, but I bet his body is thanking him for missing that match. I think pretty much we can all agree that Suicide Otis Crowley got an idea what the Suicide King was all about, and you know, you can't you can't knock him for not wanting a part of that. I will say that much. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, well, really, he. He kind of really kind of started this whole this whole this whole ordeal with him and and Suicide King Ray Ray, and you know, right when you thought that, I mean, because originally it wasn't scheduled to be the Suicide King Ray Ray and the Enforcer. Originally, this was scheduled to be Otis Crawley and Suicide King Ray Ray. That was what it was supposed to have been originally, but you know what's What's those four dreaded words in professional sports cards subject to change? You're right about that. And I think that's exactly what ended up happening. I think Otis Crowley finally got a moment to think about, oh, Lord, this is this is the suicide king I'm messing with. I, I mean, I, don't, I, I think he realized that he had bitten off more than he could chew. And uh, we saw the results in that um, Otis Crowley decided to take a walk. And, you know, commendable effort by the enforcer to step up on short notice and take on this rematch. Like I you know, keep saying, 15 years. Think about that. 15 years in the making. And uh, the Suicide King able to able to uh, come out victorious. And we got – hold on, Cornbread. We got Heinzman. Again, laughing in the comments section at 
while we talk about this barbaric matchup, what is wrong with Heinzman? Oh, we're gonna oh, we're gonna get to him in just a minute. Okay, well, we'll get to him in just a minute. This dude is wacko. This dude is off of his rocker, but let's go ahead and talk yeah. about the uh, next contest. We promised you guys oh, yeah. that he would be brought up again. And ladies and gentlemen, the next contest was for the biggest prize, the richest prize in the ASWF and the only championship that makes you number one in the Mid-South. The All-Star Wrestling Federation Championship was on the line as the main event who is valiantly and successfully and with grace, the grace of a champion defended the ASWF Championship against the big man, Kay Toomer. And, uh, yeah, let's... Cornbread, I'll let you, uh, without any uh, further ado, I'll let you go ahead and break down this contest and what the fans saw in this uh, rematch for the ASWF Championship. Well, bottom, well, bottom line, uh, both men came, came guns blazing um, in this all-important championship match. And... You know, multiple, and no matter what, um, no matter how much punishment that uh, K. Tumor literally dished out on the main event, Curtis Dawn, Curtis Dawn withstood it. I mean, I mean, it was it, it almost kind of felt like you was kind of seeing shades of what happened at uh, ASW twenty when um when Curtis Dawn finally finally became champion. It almost kind of felt like that in in this in this sense because this match was hard hitting. It was smash mouth to the bone, and when KT went, when KT was right on the verge of winning the championship, right after, right before he was he was about to go for that pinfall attempt, right after Black Power, Josh Cross. Let's just say, you know, we all heard the term interception. Well, insert insert Mr. Josh Cross here. Instead of waiting for a three count and then cash in, Josh Cross says, "Uh uh-uh, we're doing it now. So Cross ended up cashing in while both competitors were there after Black Hours was hit. Both competitors down. Josh Cross slides into the ring, cashes in the golden ticket, pins Curtis Dawn, and ladies and gentlemen, we have a brand new ASWF champion, and it is the original misfit, Josh Cross. And let's just say, um, won the title, got out of there, and um, won. Mr. Tate, he was not happy. He was furious. Well, let me go ahead and start talking about this matchup by saying this. God, I love you hearing you have to say that the brand new ASWF champion is the original misfit, Josh Cross. Oh, that is music to my ears. But uh, as far as this contest goes, you know, obviously Aaron says the main event was robbed, much like Gaston and Garyan. I'm going to have to disagree with you, Aaron. I I mean, think about this, Cornbread. How genius 
was this fan. The fans can't really complain either that he cashed in on somebody who wasn't ready because, let's be honest, he didn't wait until, to capitalize until after the match. He capitalized in the middle of the match. He just made it a triple threat and then became the uh, WF champion. He picked a spot, and it was genius in my opinion. And notice who he pinned in that match. He did not pin Tumor. He pinned Curtis Dawn. Right. And, I mean, I know I've heard uh, that Curtis Dawn is fuming over the um, loss of the ASWF championship, but somebody else, and you alluded to this a moment ago, Cornbread, somebody else that is fuming over the uh, loss of that ASWF championship match with the challenger in that matchup, the big man, Kay Toomer, and again, Joey Britt is uh, giving the big man another shot. This is breaking news for all you fans at home. This Saturday night, the big man, Kay Toomer, will challenge for the ASWF championship as he uh, takes on the original misfit, Josh Cross. And might I just say that I will be at commentary under formal protest during that contest. Because the original misfit not only dealt with this contest, not only dealt with the golden ticket battle royal, but then he had to go into the penitentiary of pain. And you're telling me 14 days later that he has to put a – his ASWF championship against the big man K. Turmer. And yet again, a third, count them three, in the last three shows, the big man K. Turmer has unsuccessfully challenged twice and now gets a third shot for the ASWF championship. Tell me where justice is in that cornbread. Well, here, well, that's one way to look at it, but also look at it this way. If you are Josh Cross, who would you rather, ment- just mentally, if you are Josh Cross at this point, and you're the champion, who would you rather be in the ring with to embarrass? Kenny Toomer or Curtis Dawn? Because keep in mind, well, we're Curtis Dawn into this whole situation. Also, who will be the next challengers for Josh Cross's championship? So, guess what? Like I, like I said before with Mr. Fred James, with the tag team situation, what happens with Josh Cross now? Because now that he catches in and – Trust me, that threw my bracket, that threw my eight, that threw my anniversary twenty-one bracket out the window. What happens now with Mister Josh Cross? Because now he has the biggest target on his back. And keep in mind, already wanted to go to ticket earlier that evening. Now comes back, wins the ASWF championship without breaking a sweat, and goes to. And oh, so far up until this point. You're right. And I've talked to the original Misfit this week. And, you know, he said, it's not right, Michael. I shouldn't be defending, having to defend my title against the big man, um, against the big man, K. Toomer. But, 
But, but you know, I'm going to because I'm a fighting champion. I'm a man, and I'm going to defend my championship. So, you know, there is that. The original Misfit is going into this thing knowing how unfair it is, but still, uh, but still being the admirable, admirable competitor that he is, he is uh, going to still go through with defending the title. Well, 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 well. Here, well, well. Let me let me counter this if I can. You know, count, no. Here's what I would say. I would say count your blessings, because really think about it. How many more guys you really want trying to come after your championship? And what's that? Oh, what's that old cliche? Process of elimination. Here's the thing. If I'm Josh Cross, I'll be smiling right now because here's the thing. At a, at, at Halloween Resurrection. You literally kept Kate Toomer away from that title. Now, what happens now if you try to embarrass him and really send him further down the line? Who else would be able to step up? So, hey, if if I'm you and if I'm and if I'm just, oh, I got to be smiling at this point instead of being worried. I mean, because I would agree with that statement. Because if you're in, because what have we said a, a whole lot of times about emotions? Who literally gets their emotions out of check a whole lot? And this is no disrespect to Kate Toomer, because because you know he's fairly, you know he, no he's he's gaining big time, and he's really become a big he's really become a big market player. But really, who has the advantage at this point? Who can play the well, live I mean, game Cornbread? Cornbread, you know, the big thing yeah, is, right. you know, and, and Josh Cross has the championship advantage, you know, and we've right. already seen that come into play. We've already seen that come into play with the uh, with the uh, main event Curtis Dawn. Mm-hmm. Taylor has no defense for that. So, right. I mean, if you're Josh Cross, the smart thing to do would be to do something with the championship advantage. But let's be honest, Josh Cross is a man. Josh Cross is going to go out there, he's going to compete, and I believe he's going to win. I believe that we're about to see the dawn, no pun intended, of the most dominant ASWF championship era in the history of the organization, and, you know, we talked about Curtis Dawn tying the record Saturday or at Halloween Resurrection for the longest-reigning ASWF champion of the modern era. We may very well be on the onset of the longest reign in ASWF history with the original yeah. Misfit, because let's be honest, if he can get through Saturday against the big man, who's going to stop the original Misfit? That's a good question. And now, and and you know, and you know, Mike, we talked about Josh Cross, you know, and and it looked and it looked to us like it was about to be a sweep. Well, now comes our main event, and who does it involve again? Josh Cross, the original misfit, Josh Cross. Uh, and you're absolutely right about that. Uh, the original misfit, Josh Cross, D-Mike, the mistress of Mayhem, Asa Morta, Insane Shane, 
Heinzman, and Tyler Knight all stepped into the most dangerous matchup in ASWF's history. The penitentiary of pain with one goal. Josh Cross had the goal of establishing himself as the recognized evolution champion, because let's be honest, he was the rifle champion. D-Mike walked in with the uh, goal of becoming or retaining his evolution title and regaining possession of it because, let's be honest, he's uh, clumsy and loses things. And uh, then we also had, uh, you know, the wild cards in that contest. You know, uh, you had Insane Shane. You had Heinzman, who, once again, laughing in the comments. Still laughing, yeah. Off his freaking rocker. Uh, and, of course, Tyler Knight, who I really thought was the wild card in that contest and I thought could possibly be able to uh, pull off a victory as the underdog. But uh, go ahead and wrap us up with the uh, penitentiary of pain. Talk us through what you witnessed in the uh, only the second ever penitentiary of pain match in ASWF's history. Well, Mike. Well, Mike. I'll tell you this. This one had this one had all the intrigue and everything, uh, and and you talked about it being 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 one being one of the most dangerous matches in uh, ASWF history. Uh, yeah, you were dead on because this match delivered and a lot more. Yeah, we talk about that laugh. We talked about that laugh of Hansman. Yeah, Hansman has kind of gained a little bit of a new attitude. Um, since he decided to go on his own here. And it literally, like, every time literally somebody would literally just knock him off his rocker inside that steel cage, regardless whether it's a chair or whether it's a Singapore cane, he laughed the whole time. He got eliminated. He laughed. But let's really talk about the heart of this whole situation, and that was when it ended up landing on the bottom three. That being Insane Shane, Josh Cross, and D-Mike, the the recognized champion. And let's just say we we saw a a new but almost like a demonic style attitude of D-Mike that I thought I'd never see. And you want to talk about exploding? Well, um, the ballet of Josh Cross, um, let's just say she's been very, very active throughout this match, especially on the outside, and then ended up back on the inside because actually this all started right when everything at the beginning of uh, D-Mike was really was supposed to be the – the number the number one and the number two entry into the penitentiary of pain, and he was taken out quickly. And it and it looked like by the end of thing, after all the competitors were entered, it looked like and it seemed that D Mike was not going to return because he suffered a horrible leg injury, and I mean a horrible leg injury. He was taken out even even before the match officially started. And right after all the competitors were introduced and all the competitors were in, 
it looked at this point that D Mike was eliminated. And he was gone. It looked, looked like looked like bottom line, we was gonna crown the new champion no matter what. Well D Mike emerged from the shadows, got involved, oh yeah, and the match was on. But it things really got interesting at the end when D Mike, let's just say, um Josh Cross's manager got involved one time too many, and Mr. D. Mike took out, took her out, and boy, did that light a fire under uh, Mr. Josh Cross's butt. And instead, Josh Cross, yeah, and Josh Cross gets eliminated, and right where we're at our final two, yeah, it was risk taking involved throughout this whole match. All six competitors needed to be applauded for an awesome effort. But it was insane shame that eliminated the champion, the recognized champion, in the end. Insane shame defeated D-Mike in the end to win the Evolution Championship. But there's more to the story from that. Yeah, you're right about that. There is more to the story on that one. And we'll go ahead and talk about this real quick, as I know we're uh, up against it. But, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I mean, first off, I cannot condone the actions of D-Mike. You never put your hands on a woman. That's absolutely unacceptable, what D-Mike did, and you call yourself a man. That is ridiculous. Second thing, uh, of course Josh Cross lost his mind. Josh Cross had a minor second of miscalculation because his valet just got laid out in the penitentiary of pain. Of course, yeah. you're going to lose your train of thought. And, if, and uh, Heinzman's laughing again. I give up. Heinzman's laughing again. I mean, that'll throw anybody off. I mean, and, you know, ew. But at the end of the day, all was right with the world as Insane Shane became the Evolution Champion. And well, uh, well, I'll, I will say I'm proud there. Well, I'll say well, I'll say this, Mike. You know, even sitting at the broadcast table, you know, I literally had it penciled in on on, on my bracket. I literally had it penciled in. Um, at first, I had penciled in that D. Mike was going to retain the title, especially right before it started the match, right until he got injured. And then, after the hot streak, after the hot streak of one Josh Cross, I was like, yeah, this is going to be a sweep. Josh Cross is going to make history. He's walking out of here with two titles, a gold, winner of the golden ticket, and he was going to be 3-0. and It was going to be the Josh Cross show. That's what I honestly believed the whole entire night, especially when we got to the main event. I honestly believed that it was going to be the Josh Cross's show. But like you said, it was not meant to be when Insane Shane eliminated D-Mac last to win the title. Well, Cornbread, I'm going to go ahead and wrap us up here as we go ahead and uh, talk about what happened next. Uh, oh, yeah. Insane Shane Insane Shane was Celebrating inside of the penitentiary Of pain And uh, mm-hmm. who decides To make their valiant return And uh, on that night And uh, there was somebody That was laying in the back Waiting 
for his moment oh, yeah. to strike. And Steve-O makes an appearance at the end of the Penitentiary of Pain and comes after the one, the new ASWF uh, Evolution Champion, Insane Shane, and chases him out of the building. But Cornbread, real mm-hmm. quick, final thought going in to uh, ASWF this Saturday night. All I can tell you is, uh, for, for you, Mike, and for everybody listening and watching, uh, be there. The Valley Arena is the place you need to be at this Saturday. 7 p.m. start time. I'm telling you, you need to get there early because it is it is fallout time. I'm telling you. You do not want to miss any of the action. Bell, the best bell to bell action in the state of Arkansas is right there at the Valley Arena. Please join us at 260, please join us at 201 Highway 367 North, right there inside the heart of the one and only legendary Tuckerman, Arkansas, at the legendary Zion Arena. Please be there. We want you there. We need you there. It's going to be awesome start to finish all the way through. Well, thank you very much, Cornbread. Ladies and gentlemen, I can't say it any better than that. Jordan, uh, go ahead and give me a call. I think I sent your check in the mail last Tuesday, but we'll go ahead and see what's going on. Ladies and gentlemen, I can't say it any better than what Cornbread just said. It'd be there this Saturday night. We have new champions crowned. We're going to decide what's going on with this tag team championship debacle that was made by the by Rock and Ricky Rowland and Joey Britt. Uh, we're also going to uh, see the dawn of the new reign of the original misfit Josh Cross and the insane Shane. Uh, will he be able to escape the wrath of Steve-O? Come on out, 201 Highway 367 North in Tuckerman, Arkansas, this Saturday night, for my broadcast colleague, Cornbread, I am the voice of the ASWF, Michael Carnahan. Happy Halloween, and good night. It's taking over.